Welcome into Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. Back again. The wounds have not gone away, but the wounds have certainly healed a little bit. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm okay now. I mean, I I think it's been enough time that we can kind of... It's been eight days as we're taping this since LAFC saw their season end. And I've managed to uh, soothe myself with the fact that these two teams are going to play an MLS Cup final within their three of the last four years. I mean, it's not... uh, it's not as fluky as some people I think are going to try to make it out to be. Obviously, we all would have preferred LAFC Atlanta. Uh, I'm sure that's the big marquee matchup. But when you really consider it, I mean, over the last decade, Seattle's the most consistent team in MLS. And over the last five years, Toronto is one of the most consistent teams. So, In the case of Seattle, they were an exceptional expansion team. They've made the playoffs every year, something yeah. that LAFC would like to duplicate. However, they never made an MLS Cup till. Three years ago. Right. So I think if you look at that, there's also a nice lesson for LAFC. Toronto FC was different. They came in and they were the worst team in the league for a few years, which was even worse if you're a fan. Yeah. And they plugged at it. They they invested in their club a bit more, and then they became a really good team. And they've been there three, four years. So you could see, I think certainly in the Seattle, there's a reason for optimism. And even in Toronto, if you're unlucky and you don't get that point, all of a sudden you could be there all the time. That might be the case of LAFC one day. Yeah. I mean, I think... It, Maybe one of the, the things to point out, and I know not a lot of people are going to hear this, it kind of shines a light on what Atlanta did last season. Um, and maybe it shines a light even more so on our uh, Supporter Shield. Like, to do something, to win a trophy in your second year, whether it's Supporter Shield or whether it's MLS Cup like Atlanta did, it's not easy, man. It's not easy. It's not. It's hard work, even in this new playoff format. And the playoff format, by the way, they're, um, they're not making an excuse here. I'm just stating the facts. There to protect the top seeds, both top seeds left out of MLS Cup, and you get the fourth seed in the East versus the second seed in the West, which is fine. Well, I think you can you can only structure a thing so heavily uh, yes, in you the can. top seeds because at some point you're like, okay, either we put them straight to the final or they have to play the games. I think they New York City FC looked like they, they it didn't favor them at all. No, I mean well, it was they, a horrible timing. But they didn't actually get to play at home, right? So I, would that have been different? Right. Possibly. Yeah. LAFC did get that victory. And look, at the end of the day, I hate using that expression, but I just did. LAFC finishes with rewriting the history book. They finish with a victory over the Galaxy, which is really important if you're in Los Angeles. If you're listening to our podcast outside of Los Angeles, welcome. We're here for you, too. Glad. Maybe we'll give you an MLS Cup prediction. Yeah, if you're just outside to keep of it. LA, if you're anywhere. Good I mean, for you. And if you're outside the country... Hit us up. We'd like to know where you yeah. are. We'll give you a shout out. I don't know if we're at 100 reviews. If we're at 100 reviews, I'm not giving out beers anymore, but <laughs> I will send You've some. Up to I will send drinks. an iron on. Yes. Full bottles of tequila if you leave us a good review. That's not true. Disregard that. Strike that. But just leave a review. It really is important for us, and we're happy with what we're doing, and we have great guests. We have a great guest. You sat down with John Thorrington. You'll hear yeah. that in moments. The general manager, the executive VP for everything, the man in really at the top when it comes to building this team. Yeah, the man that has his fingerprints on everything soccer specific to this team, whether it's <laughs> whether it's the the cooks that are uh, taking care of the guys in the it's training facility job. all the way up to obviously signing the big names. Um, yeah, 30 minutes with John, that, that actually felt way shorter because we just kind of topic after topic. I think uh, what's really cool is last year I did this with him, but we just did a written form of it. Uh, we called it kind of the state of the club. Um, and John was willing to do it again. I guess he didn't mind it too bad last year. So I think it's kind of a cool thing that maybe after every single season, we just kind of sit down with John and he kind of gives an idea. And it's a wide-ranging State thing. of the club. State of the club. It's it's looking back, looking forward. We did a little fun rapid fire, and John is the same. He is every day, which is very straightforward and not shy about – I mean, I didn't show him any of the topics, and there's not a single thing that – he looked at me and was like, I don't want to answer that. It was all, yeah, I got I so, got something for you. Much like with Will Kuhn, who we spoke to early in the season, which was one of our most viewed podcasts or listened to podcasts, you'll get the same effect here. You'll get an idea of where the club has been, where the club is going. The offseason is quick. The new season will start here soon enough. There's CONCACAF Champions League. We'll talk about that later. But all this will keep the LAFC supporters, the LAFC fans, the LAFC staff, the LAFC writers, broadcasters yeah. busy. Yeah, I think if you're looking, one, if you're looking because you're maybe still a little hurt and you need to soothe some wounds, John will help uh, kind of at least help you to understand some of the things, at least from the perspective of soccer ops. Um, but two, if you, you're you just like, man, I already miss LAFC. I know it's going to be a long off season. There's a lot of content in this 30-minute conversation that you could chew on for uh, quite a yeah. while. And share with your friends. 
And they'll say, wow, you sound like you really know a lot about LAFC. And go, yeah, I listen to Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. So why don't you subscribe? Yeah. That's how it works. Let's talk about, before we get to that interview, we don't want to waste too much time beforehand, but let's talk about what happened this big, this week. Uh, Many people said it would have been the week for MLS Cup. Okay, water under the bridge does not happen. We did announce the MVP, Carlos Vela, to no one's surprise. Huge disparity in the voting, as you would also suspect. Were you surprised it was that big, or do you think it should have been even bigger? I mean, from the media perspective. Yeah. If you are one of that 22% that voted for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, we needed to have a talk, a serious talk. That was, I just, I can't quite understand that. I know. Especially with the playoff game, too. Look, man, if you're a media person, I get it. Uh, Zlatan's a great quote. He makes your job very easy. He Um, did a lot for this. He brought a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, but those people that are saying, are trying to do this whole weird uh, MVP arithmetic where they're like, well, who's, it's most valuable player to your club. So now you're telling me that you have to, find the most valuable guy to his club and you have to start then pegging up the clubs as as which one club did better blah 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 man it's just the best player yeah and it was a very easy decision this time he put a, a big uh, incredible finish too to get that record at the final regular season game i want to say this about the mls uh, mvp announcement because I, I got to participate it and hand it off to john thorrington who handed it off to fernando valenzuela and who handed it out to carlos vela and that's Pretty what i cool. want to talk about in 2010 i presented the MLS MVP to David Ferreira of Dallas. They were playing Colorado in Toronto for MLS Cup. That was the cup that changed it all where they said, we're not going to have predetermined sites. The highest seed will get it. And the lack of fanfare was was visceral. That you're like, okay, this is it. And I think of when they hand out MVP awards, specifically in the NBA, and it's an event, and all the players are there, all the teammates, all the people that are involved, Let's just say it was Kevin Durant who gets it. And then he sits there. It's a way too long, the NBA version. He thanks right. every player, and it goes on. Right. But we would have never thought about doing that to MLS. And here comes LAFC. And with the aid of the incredible facilities they have and the Field Club, which should be a concert venue. I mean, it, we want to open the doors for LAFC. Beautiful lighting, just beautiful backgrounds with these uh, old photos of Union Station in downtown Los yeah. Angeles. And they made it an impromptu MVP press conference, but it looked like it had been there forever, the whole setup. And then you have this big event. Carlos Vela walks out, and you present it. He acknowledges uh, the players and the coaches. He had a beautiful thing to say uh, about Bob Bradley and what he's meant to his career. Bob had this grin on his face. It was I couldn't take my eyes off Bob. It was just, it was just a beautiful moment. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, once again, LAFC has changed the game. They did it with the Supporter Shield. The Supporter Shield was given to somebody. You didn't even notice it. LAFC made it the biggest event of the year at this stadium where everyone was involved. Supporters, players, fans. We all got to hold the Supporter Shield. And that made waves all over the country. And now they're doing it again here. So, I know I've been talking too long here, but Vince, when two situations, and this goes on beyond beyond for LAFC, that other clubs have to bear witness and say, we've got to do it at least close to that with the way the Supporter Shield's presented and certainly now the way you present MLS MVP, it was a beautiful, uh, it was it was a beautiful event, and I'm I'm just happy because it makes MLS, which needs to feel more big time, it made it feel big. Yeah, it's a little. Uh, sometimes it feels a little inside baseball when we talk about this kind of stuff, but we like to bring you guys this kind of stuff, and I think it's important. And Bob talks about this: the way games are presented. Inside baseball with Mel Allen, or that's this week in baseball. This with week Mel in baseball, Allen. yeah. No, but you know what I mean by inside baseball. Where yeah. maybe it's a little it's bit very, too much minutia. It's, yes. It's, it's, uh, you know, you hosting and, and little things like that. But I think it's important. And I think the more we shine a light on it and not just... You gotta, like, if like you, you want said, it to be a big deal, you got to treat it like a yeah, big deal. Yeah, you got to treat it like a big deal. You got to plan it like a big deal. So the MVP trophy, we made it a big deal. The Sports Shield made it a big deal. Uh, again, like I said, with, with Bob, Bob talks about how we need to pre- be presenting the games right with correct camera angles and, and good direction and uh, games without shadows on the field. These are things that, like, we don't normally think about. But when you think about the Premier League, you think about Champions League, they've yes. already nailed it. So they don't have to think about it anymore. We should be, but we should be doing those little minutia things and those little inside baseball things that, that change the way this sport is seen in this country so that when you, look, you can say what you want to say about MLS and the quality of play sometimes, but at least when you put a game side by side, it looks as crisp and as clear and as well done as a Premier League game or as a Champions League game. And you and I go back and forth. We don't even think sometimes those games are done as well as they could be. So yeah. I think there's a, especially there's so much room for us to grow that we can do a lot of cool things, and I think we should. 
club does good. This is this has a dollar sign attached to it to do something like this. This is logistically difficult to bring in uh, a whole setup for lights and and audio, and then to bring all the people there. I yeah. mean, there was uh, multiple owners. The team was there. Bob, there were dignitaries, there was Fernando Valenzuela. This takes a lot of time. And yeah. sometimes you could say, let's take it the easy way. But this is, is a reflection of the club. That's not what they do. All right, so that was a big thing. So we're not going to waste too much more time. Let's get into the interview of John Thorrington, the general manager of LAFC. He's going to put you at ease for everything. The offseason's short, so pay, pay attention and uh, just prepare yourself as best you can as an LAFC fan. That's coming up next. John Thorrington on Inside LAFC. Welcome back to Inside LAFC, more specifically the Max and Vince podcast, but I've traded out Max. Every once in a while, I get to do what my guest gets to do and go on the transfer market. So I've got uh, John Thornton with me. Uh, John, how are you? I'm going to say this is already going to be a successful trade over Max Bredo, so at least in terms of what we're going to talk about today. Much appreciated. Uh, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Well, John, we did this uh, this around this time last year, or I, I guess in terms of the schedule around this time, but it, the months have shifted a little bit with the, with mm-hmm. the schedule. Um, we like to call this kind of the, the state of the club, um, and who better to talk to than yourself. Uh, I think the best way for us to go forward is, though, to, to look back and maybe to go uh, more sharply to right when the season ended. Uh, just give me your thoughts kind of on, on the Seattle match, where your mind is now that we've kind of digested it a little bit. Yeah, well, I would say two I have two different answers. One is for the immediate thoughts and then one that I can speak from now. I think there was this almost sense of disbelief that it was actually done and the finality with these one and done playoff games, you know, it's sort of, the playoffs have essentially just become a tournament uh, and with these one-off games comes this finality where your season just falls off a cliff and I think coming off the incredible high of the Galaxy game and exercising the demon, so to speak. And then now the quick turnaround into Seattle, you know, the, the feeling in the building was we were just going to continue riding the high that we felt for the vast majority of the season and, and host a final. And that's not to say we overlooked Seattle in any way, but the reality of these one-off games is that there's no team that's invincible and... Um, we certainly aren't, and in one-off games, these things can happen, and similar to, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know if it was this particular interview, but when I spoke about what happened in the last game of 2018, is there's this confluence of events that happened that lead to our loss, and I think it wasn't the same necessarily uh, ingredients, but again, you have a few different things that transpire at the same time on the same night that end our season, and it's incredibly tough to take at the time. It's still hard to take. What I would say is that immediately following, and probably in the couple days following, it's uh, at least in my, it's impossible not to have a cloudy perspective, and probably gives give too much weight to certain things as opposed to a, a more true perspective which comes in time that we're still sort of grasping now. But in, in the days that, that follow, you start to look back at the season as a whole and you know the recency bias starts to leave a little bit. And that's not to say we've recovered or feel great now. It's going to be really hard, frankly, watching... Sunday's game but uh, that said there's a lot to be proud of of what was done and this one game does not uh, that the important thing is that that we learn from the game but that the uh, that one game doesn't carry an overly weighted influence on the definition of who we are yeah you make you make an interesting point when you're talking about the confluence of factors and how it feels somewhat similar um, I'd ask you to, to comment on this because it's something that comes up with, with fans a lot. They feel that the way in which LFC might have lose, lost games during the season and even in an Open Cup is somewhat similar. Can you, can you comment on that in that way? Because I know what you're saying is slightly different than what they're saying. You're saying you, know, you have a day where things just kind of don't go your way. 
Um, whereas fans are saying, think, looking at it, and they're saying, well, in my mind, I think I see it the same possibly as, well, are we too top-heavy in certain aspects? Are we giving up the type of goal, same type of goals all the time? So could you comment on that? Because I know that that's kind of an, a, a, a top-level thing for a lot of fans when they're watching these games. Yeah, certainly happy to. I think it's tempting to become overly general and say, well, we give up. I mean, I'd be curious to have these conversations to say, well, we give up the same types of goals. If you look at the goals we give up against Seattle, we have, you know, I'm guessing people say, oh, well, we get countered upon and all the rest of it. My analysis of those of the goals we give up is that they weren't necessarily counters in the sense um, like the maybe the goals against Minnesota and what have you. But look, we have we play the way we play, and I think we have shown an ability to adapt at times when needed to play a certain way in order to be more effective and and get results. So, given that we have such a clear identity and how we play, yeah maybe there is an overly generalized category of goals that we give up. But if you look at the goals we give up in that particular game, we have players back. Um, they weren't sort of breakaway counters. And, you know, they were a few very good finishes and we just didn't make the plays when we needed to. Oftentimes we talk about, you know, making making plays to stop attacks before they even happen. And we just weren't, we didn't on, on those occasions and a couple mistakes that got punished. I think, you know, not just talking about, oh, we gave up these types of goals, but I would say we didn't play our best. That's number one. Number two, I thought Seattle played really well. And those two things obviously... Um, in normal circumstance, you think all things being equal, yeah, one team plays well, one team doesn't, that team wins. I would still say there were other factors as well um, that they made a couple of plays that we did not make. We had a couple chances we did not take. And then we are never a club that makes this, and I'm incredibly proud um, of the club and the response right after is we don't make this about anything other than the players and what have you, but if you look at some of, you know, when you, when, you, when you need a break when you're not at your best and what have you, those breaks can come because you get a fortunate bounce. Those breaks can come because a guy makes one play against the run of play or something like that. The other thing is you might get a call. You might get something like that. And none of those things happen for us on the night. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I bring that up is just I, I like the specificity in which you guys speak about the game. And I think that that's important because, like I said, the there are some generalizations that, that get used, especially I think when you're a team that only loses six times in the entire season, uh, you're a proactive team. Mm -hmm. um, it's much easier to break down those ways in which there's little failures and little bits of, uh, let's say, bigger events like goals. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to hear you know, kind of mm -hmm. your guys' take on it and then just the specific language that you use. Um, in that same regard, and I know you touched on it a little bit, so when you look at this season, um, you know, only six losses across all competitions – um, all the great things that you've done. You know, one of the questions that people want to ask, and it's kind of fodder for social media, is does the loss in the playoffs diminish anything that you've done in the season? How, do, how does the team talk about that? It doesn't take away anything from what we did leading up to it. What it does take away from is when you look back at the whole thing, we missed out on a trophy that we would love to have had, and we felt like we had the team to win MLS Cup. So it does, but it does not take away from what was accomplished throughout the regular season. And I think, you know, for me, and it's interesting given the country we're in, that what gets prioritized and maybe feels more meaningful, and I totally understand that and, and get that, but if you were to say to me now, there are two teams this week that feel better than us, right? They're about to go in and play for a final. My thinking as I think about right now, yes, it really hurts and they're, they're happier than we are. But if you ask me, look at what you, what, what is accomplished and not because we've accomplished things, but what that says about the group we have, I'm really happy about the group we have. And I think we've set things up in such a way that you look ahead to next year and the year after and what have you, which was the goal from the get-go is to be sustainably successful. We do feel really good about where we are. That said, 
are there lessons to be learned from one-off play, one-off open cup games, one-off playoff games, ways in which we can hopefully not continue, not 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 have these feelings to feel like, well, we did have the team and we came up short for for various reasons. Are there learnings there? Yes. I mean, one thing that is I think I don't know if it's talked about or not, but a fact of the matter is we have more young players playing in our team than any other team in MLS by a long way. So with that, there's experiences to be had. And a lot of our guys have not been in games like this very often. So we understand and we're proud of the fact that we give opportunities to young players and and we watch them develop with us. But part of that is learning these learning experiences. We are not, we don't have players who have had these experiences elsewhere in, in many cases that this is, they're learning on the fly and, and learning by doing. And uh, so I am confident that those guys, th- these guys that were a part of these games, I mean, I think you saw the growth of the team in the Galaxy games this year where you take game one and you think, wow, there's a lot to be learned. Game two, you learned some of the lessons, didn't quite get over the hump, but you learned a lot of the lessons. And in the second half of that game, you think, wow, you guys really took it to them in a really intense game. And then game three, we beat them. So I think that is the evolution of our team. And that is a part of having a young team that you can't overcome except for going through these experiences. Right. I think that's actually something that Max and I brought up a couple podcasts ago because we looked at the lineup uh, in the final day of the season against Colorado. And I think eight of 11 guys were 26 and under. And one of those not eight is Carlos Vela. So yeah. you, if you put it, you stack it up that way, you, you look at a team and you say, wow, it's a really young team. Yeah, and I mean, you can use different metrics, but I think if you just look at the number of minutes in our team that go to players that are younger than 23, it's significantly higher than any other team in the league. So that kind of uh, segues again to what I want to talk about is, uh, you know, with the historic season, as somebody that uh, this time last year we were talking about, how do we sustain, how do we get better? So you're, you know, you're behind the scenes. You're, the, you're, you're kind of the driving force with your, with your staff. I know we talked to Bob a lot throughout the season and said, how did you know this group was special? And he said, you know, there's certain times in the season where you, you have to remind yourself, like, this may not happen again. We need to, to understand it and, and feel it because it's a good feeling. What, was there a moment for you? What was, what was your moment uh, during the season where you looked at these guys and said, wow, we, we might not just have a good team. We might have a, a truly historically great team. Yeah, I think for me, it was, it's interesting. So it literally would be about a year ago. We did end of season training last year and you start and, and then it was just this concentrated group training and you could see because the number of guys you have, you knew they were coming back and you start to see the ideas take shape and, and what have you. And, you know, you ask the coaches, how was training? And I think having been a part of those end of season training groups, a lot of times you're just kind of going through the motions, but seeing the hunger and the motivation when they didn't have a game to play for, that that, that said a lot, and I think that work was important. Then you come into preseason, you know, relative to the year before where it was just this sort of mad chaos of getting everybody into market and all new players and and what have you, to, to feel that some semblance of consistency. There wasn't a lot of turnover, only a couple... Uh, additions in in key areas and and our ability to hit the ground running this year and those first few games were you know with Kansas City with Portland and then we're on the road at DC and and watching us sort of how we just I think there was just such conviction about who we were and how we wanted to play that there were times this year where you saw it you know the game in D.C., which was billed as this big sort of heavyweight battle, West Coast, East Coast, and how we took it, how we stepped on the field that day um, in a full stadium, et cetera, and watching the performance of, of, of guys in particular that really just, um, you know, you could see it on it all, all come together in, in full display, the San Jose game away. And, I mean, I've played in this league, and beating, goal, beating teams away by multiple goals multiple times I started to think, wow, this is not just results, but then you start saying, wow, we are, we're not just winning, we're winning big, we're winning in tough places against good teams, 
And if if you were to if you were to critique something about 2018, it was our performance against the better teams. And ironically, it was actually the reverse this year. When you start thinking about we lost to, and this is no disrespect to, to teams because I know anybody can beat anybody on a given day, but we're losing to teams that didn't even make the playoffs. That those were our losses when we were against the the teams. Um, you know that we were competing at that point in the season. We actually had a really good result. So that to me just spoke to the confidence of the group and the conviction and the belief in in the hard work that went in and the training and what the technical staff builds into the guys. And I, I felt it sort of growing as the season went on. And then the interesting phase came towards the end where you have international breaks, you have injuries, you have how you manage the run-up where you're chasing a record but you have the playoffs and and all those things. And it's interesting because it's it's similar to the Golden State Warriors in their record-setting year that you're chasing this record, then you get the record and it's like, okay, well, now we have the separate season and how do we make sure that the chasing of the record doesn't impact the playoffs? And I think the staff did a great job and, you know, we'll never forget that night where, you know, we win the Supporters' Shield. We'll never forget the day where... I mean, you 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 break your your MVP breaks the goal scoring record as you set the overall points record, and all these wonderful memories that right now sort of are are clouded by this loss. But you know, in time, as I say, when you get clarity of perspective, you look back and you think that this group did do something special this year. We didn't we didn't accomplish everything, and it certainly leaves us with hunger and motivation for next year and you add in Champions League and I think you know we're in a, we're in a good spot we just I would have loved to accomplish everything this year and we just didn't obviously whenever we speak with you the topic of player movement building the team it's always going to be uh, paramount on people's minds they're going to want to hear from you um, I'd like you if you could to just kind of give an idea because a lot what's talked about a lot in MLS is the length of the offseason it's so much longer where do these guys go? I know that some of them are going to go away to international duties shortly after we talk. Um, if you could just kind of give an idea of what your off-season calendar is and for, mm-hmm. for yourself and for the guys, and then also kind of what you look forward to uh, in, in the third season. I, I know last season was kind of getting better at what we do and, and keeping a core, and that might be, again, the, the theme, but if you could just kind of lay that out for us. Sure. So, you know, my personal schedule, our off-season is typically, my off-season is busier than in season he in season is outside of the windows it's typically you know managing making sure everybody's getting what they need to be successful and etc and, and sort of managing steady state whereas now all of the decisions and planning that's gone on throughout the season to improve for next year so i'm on the road much more uh etc start negotiations and deals and making decisions on the current roster along with the staff here as we look ahead to 2020 and with regards to thematically what we're looking to do is I think with the addition of Champions League and our real goal of succeeding in in Champions League I think historically when you look back depth becomes a real a, a critical thing for an MLS team to compete in Champions League and not throw away their MLS League season. So our intent is obviously to compete on all fronts. And so increasing our depth is is certainly of, of critical importance. We do feel good about the group that's returning. I mean, we have a good young group. There's a lot of interest overseas for quite a few of our players. So that's... Those are additional considerations and components that come into our come into our thinking that we handle on a on a case by case basis. And then, you know, we're always on the lookout as to how we can improve, whether it be challenging a starter or bringing in a player to start. But you know, overall, it's going to be continuity again and just adding depth in in key areas. So we did a, a podcast uh, around that time of that last window. Uh, we had you on to, to to start the window. Will Kuntz was our closer. Um, it's an apt comparison with his mm-hmm. baseball work. Yep. Um, but one of the things that the, we got a lot of response from that last one with Will, and I think one of the things that stuck out uh, was how proud uh, a lot of uh, fans felt, not just that we had acquired players like Brian Rodriguez and Chiqui Palacios, mm-hmm. 
but who we went up against to acquire them and how mm-hmm. it kind of, in a way, announced LAFC's presence on the world stage. Could you talk about that a little bit from, from your perspective? Because I know that one of the goals of yourself and ownership is we're not to not just be an, a great MLS team, but to be a, a world team. So, mm-hmm. so when you talk about being a player on the world stage, part of that is the transfer market. Certainly, yeah, and I think you know, my, my world is that interaction within the, the, the global market. And what I would say is it's not just an LA, it's not just a, a, an LAFC, a pride in LAFC, but that's a statement of the league that now, contrary to years past and pretty recent years past, we are able to go in and not just enter these conversations, but have players in the face of other very real European options in the case of, of some of our players say, no, actually LAFC is the best next step for me. And that was, we did, we were able to get accomplish some of that in year one, but now the difference with the hunt this past summer's transfer window is now I'm actually not showing you a rendering. I'm showing you real, this is what we're doing. And I think that got, that gets players' attention when I go out and I say, "Look, this is this is what our this is what 2018 looked like. This is what the first half of 2019 looked like." Insert yourself here, and I think it's much easier to grasp for these players. And then the other aspect of it is that our owners have made these resources available. And I know not every club has these resources. Uh, not every GM has these resources to go and do it. I do think with Will and with our staff, we manage are capped very responsibly to allow for these these moves. Um, and we've kept, we don't operate at the absolute edge of our margin. So when an opportunity comes, Cheeky's deal happened literally in 12 hours at the end of a transfer window. So we, we maintain that level of flexibility. And that's something that is, if not the most fun part of the job, is something that, you know, is right up there. I really enjoy um, I really enjoy the hunt and then the the acquisition process, and certainly we are in competition with a level of club that I that I would not think has been the case in in years past. This might be less fun, but in this aspect, once you're on the world market, uh, and I know fans don't always want to consider it, but it's got to go two ways: uh, players come in, but players possibly going out. Um, but I think also it's not something that we should. Uh, sh- shrink from and, and be afraid of. Could you talk a little bit about that other aspect? Now, you know, now that you're known and you're known for young players that have their talent continues to kind of reach new ceilings. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that? How is that becoming a, a part of the strategy? Because we're going to start probably maybe seeing something like that happen. Yeah, no, it's certainly not easy, uh, but but it's a it's it's a part of our DNA. That is our model: is that we want to invest in these young players, and if some of them end up being young players for LAFC and they graduate to being veteran players with LAFC, then that's fantastic. But we do not, as you say, we don't shy away from these conversations and we don't shy away from supporting our players actually coming here, developing. And if there's a great opportunity for for them elsewhere to further develop their career and it economically makes sense for the club, we, we don't shy away from it. And in fact, we actually, that is in large part the uh, in large part our model is that we you know we have some veteran players but we have young players that we've invested in we have the technical staff and the training environment that these players improve and then if the right opportunity for the player and for the club uh, presents itself we uh, we embrace that so uh, last year we did a, a little bit of uh, rapid fire I think Seems like fun. We might as well do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to throw these out to you. These are sight unseen for you. Um, just whatever's off the top of your head. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League. Exciting. Uh, I, am I limited by number lim- of no, words? You, you can, yeah, you can go all, you can expound upon it. If you want to stick with exciting. Uh, yeah, an exciting you. challenge for the club. Okay. Um, this is a kind of twofold. I, uh, favorite moment on the pitch, off the pitch. So start with on the pitch if you could. Favorite moment in the history, just this past season? This past season. I think it was the the Supporters' Shield, uh, the clinching the Supporters' Shield at home against Houston. 
Okay. And was there a moment uh, off the pitch, LAFC related, but off the pitch that? Um, you know, I, I actually really, this is, I can't say it's not football related because it's all LAFC. I actually, our, I was incredibly proud of our foundation gala. I think, uh, I, I am, I think this, this part of our club, this ethos of being a force for good and celebrating and recognizing all of the work that goes out in the community that speaks to the bigger picture of who we are as a club. I thought that was a, a fantastic night in celebration and recognition of all of the work that LAFC does off the field. Uh, it's something I have to bring up again, and it seems like we'll have to do it uh, the next couple of seasons. Expansion draft. A necessary evil. I think it's fair. We'll for, it. for us now, obviously we benefited from it incredibly, but for us now, it's a, it's an, it's a headache. Uh, this one came to the top of my head, and it's again, it's uh, something that sometimes is on the forefront of uh, supporters' minds, and I just thought it would be Actually, interesting. Actually, before I forget, one of the things that I would say about expansion draft, when I say we benefited from it, um, like Latif just pops in my head. Yeah, of course. Amongst I'm, others, but you know, we got, if you think about the guys we got in the expansion draft, I don't want to say, you know, if I'm, if I'm, that was actually one of the most fun periods I've had as in this role was that build up to the expansion and then the draft itself. Well, and I think if you, without getting too deep into other teams' picks, if you look at the success of LAFC's expansion draft selections as opposed to previous and, and mm-hmm. future ones, uh, it's been pretty successful. I mean... Yeah, well, I think we... So it was Tyler, so we got a starting goalkeeper, our first captain in Laurent, Latif now, who I think is one of the best midfielders in the league, and Marcos Arena. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, we got a World Cup player. significant contributions, but you know, each team has a different model and, and way of going about it, but it certainly was incredibly helpful for us. Uh, okay, so back to this one. Again, something that is sometimes on supporters and fans' minds, and I thought this was just a fun one to ask you. What comes to mind when you hear park the bus? <laughs> uh, an LAFC home game. Um it's uh, a, a clash of styles. And uh, last one for me, we talked about it extensively as a, a moment that felt good, but just when I say to you, the Galaxy win. Yeah, it's like an exercising, the, uh, exercising the demon. It was the, you know, we st- it's not like we've done everything. We haven't won an MLS Cup, but that, that was one thing that, I just got the sense that no matter what we did, it was a yes, but, and that was a big but, and and for it to come, like it, it, the whole thing with this rivalry has been scripted. I swear, it is just like you could you couldn't script this stuff. How it's all come together, and then how everything comes to where it's a playoff game, and how they finished the season meant that they didn't host, and they 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 had to go to Minnesota, and, and how it all lined up. And I remember going into the. People were asking me about oh, Minnesota, LA, and what do you think? And and I just said, you know, and I thought Minnesota had a good year and they're tough at home and et cetera. But I just said, I I just felt fate had us playing the Galaxy. And, you know, I sort of wish that came even in the next round or because I do think there's something to be said. I mean, I didn't even play in the game and it took me a while to come down from that. And I'm, I, I try to be as level as, as possible, but... Yeah, that was a that was a big, you know, whatever the monkey off the back, the exercising of the demon. But until that, we got that scalp. Everything to me was a yes, but and so it was a a huge weight off the shoulders and relief and a and a pride in how the players went about that game. In because there's no there was no hiding how big a game it was. There was no hiding the consequences for us if we didn't play well and win that game and they stepped up and you know the staff prepared an, a, a great you know tactical game plan and and we were deserved winners so you survived rapid fire like you did Thank last you. year well done um so i want to end on two very forward facing um things and the the first topic i want to touch on um is the academy uh 
we're now getting to a place where the academy, these guys are coming of age and they're being considered uh, for pro contracts, whether it be here or elsewhere. I, I'd like if you could to just kind of touch on that. Yeah, certainly. I'm glad you asked because our academy is a very integral part of our whole football operation. And now as our older boys, the 04s, and we've added the 03s, there are a few 03s in our U17 age group are starting to approach the time of being ready for professional contracts. That's ongoing conversation. We've integrated a few into training with the first team, and that's a process that I'm really excited to see culminate with a few a few players getting signed and a few players eventually stepping on the field for us. And the last thing, and this is just an open-ended, uh, you can go anywhere with it, just what excites you most about looking forward to 2020? I think the obvious answer is Champions League. I'm really excited that right away we're in those games. And while that we're probably at a slight, well not probably, we are at a slight disadvantage given that we're not up and running and fully mid-season form, et cetera. I just think coming off the disappointing end to a great season, it'll be great to just get up to speed. We'll be back in January with, with, a, with a real focus on the tournament Right away, we'll be exposed to some, you know, great opponents and really challenging environments. And watching our team grow again through those experiences will be, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, just, just really excited about. It. And everybody that has asked, oh well, what, you know, at Carlos's ceremony, what, what will top this season that you guys have done? And it's a clear answer is to win MLS Cup. You answered a question that I probably should have asked. What could top the season? So I think that's the best way to end it. Uh, John, you're always very straightforward with these answers and don't shy from anything. So I really appreciate you coming uh, and talking. About of course. Us. Happy to help. Thank you. All right. This is Inside LAFC. I hope you enjoyed. Great work, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> Great work. Excellent work. I know you wish you would have been there. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of, there was moments where I wish you would have been there too. I did, uh, it's not on the, the recording, but I, I told John, I go, you know, Max normally does the hosting. Um, so I apologize. He probably said, did he have his AirPods in while he does it? No, he didn't. No. Yeah. No, he was. He, first time I, I, I've known John for a while. I called a lot of his games. Yeah. And first time I walked into, he's, I had the AirPods in. He goes, are you going to wear those? I go, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot they were in. So he calls me Air Bud. Yeah. Ever since, which is a dog. It's not the, but yeah. I, I'm stuck with it. There's nothing I can do. He's the boss man. I mean, John will give you some stick to your face, but when you're not there, he's definitely not going to, he's not going to talk behind your back. And the other great thing you can tell about John is just how competitive he is yep. even in, in those interviews. Cause like we said in the open, man, you ask him a question, not going to shy from anything. He's yeah. like, man, this is another chance for me to tell you what, what we're going to do and, and what we do best and how we're going to be better than that, than last right. time. Maybe this club goes pear shaped. Maybe we start being win as many games as we lose I doubt that heavily but John Thorrington I've spoke to him about this and forgive me from repeating it on this podcast but we we talked to him this this was his vision he's not a player it's said oh yeah this seems to interest me this was his vision while he was playing and he oh, went yeah. to law school and he did everything because this is what he wanted to do it just happened to be serendipity and perfect that he's from this area this club came around right at the time when he was ready to take a position and there it was. So there's there, no one's done the homework. You talked about the preparations. It's unbelievable how much he prepared for this job without knowing it was there. Yeah. You and I have talked about it off this podcast multiple times. And one of the things that drives us a little crazy is we'll see someone write something about John saying, well, he's so young and he's just a fresh executive. He's never done this before. And it's like, okay, first of all, it's a young dude, man's game. The and dude, you have experience at coach. Well, he played all around the world. Left, left his home at a young age to go to Manchester United. I mean, we're not talking about just wherever. He's going to Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson, who I believe on our podcast, John told that great story about how Sir Alex still knows his parents' names and, and stuff like that, which is just crazy, wow. just a testament to Sir Alex. But while he's in England, he's playing for a team that goes basically into bankruptcy, and he's part of like the players' union that has to sort out how they're going to figure all that out. So he is almost on the job, on the spot training, and then obviously he comes back. He finishes his business degree at, at Northwestern of all places. I mean, not a bad place to go. Um, he basically picks the brain of the smartest people within the league. Like John was ready for the. It may it may have been his first gig, but if you can think of somebody that was like born into it and ready for it and had done like all the grunt work and all the extracurriculars that you would need to, it's John Thorne. 
And just to repeat, to be from L.A., and for everything this club says about its connection to the city, you could have had someone from anywhere, and that's fine. Bob's not from Los Angeles. He spent a lot of time. John, that connection, I think, to me, means a lot because he yeah. knows what this, this community's like. And he's, he's, uh, it's, I always pinch myself that one he's there. Of, one of the coolest things John ever said to me, and it was specifically in regard to growing the club, but most specifically in regard to the academy, he said, I want to make this club a place so that if me – at 18, had this club in place, I wouldn't have left. I remember he said that. That's, and that was pretty cool. All right. Uh, let's take a look at uh, a couple big points from the conversation, beginning with the expansion draft. So there are two new two new teams coming into Major League Soccer. You have Inter of Miami, mm-hmm. still waiting for their stadium, but they're signing players. They're doing well. Uh, Nashville SC, which uh, has a stadium, but doesn't really have, they have a few players. But it doesn't matter. They're looking to build their roster, and they'll be able to do it in one swift stroke. Uh, LAFC able to get a lot of good out of their expansion draft. It's much, I think, more than uh, the super draft yeah. and in other areas to get it. So 12 players are protected for LAFC. I don't know if that sounds like a lot or a little to you. I, I guess when you see the players, it sounds like a little because it we had like 16 like a lot or 17. Until you start to make your list. Yeah, because you had 16, 17 guys that you contribute. Uh, when you look at the the meat and potatoes it is you know the guys that you can't do without seven or eight maybe depending on how you phrase it but that's yeah the spine of your team and guys that you're not going to want to jettison so that's pretty good so i mean it comes down to a few you can probably think of it yourself where it comes to a few players that are going to be left unprotected and that will open the door to see what the club's going to do once free agency once the waiver's clear mm-hmm. what they're going to do to build this team well, John said it himself. He said it's a necessary evil. Um, and in that regard, he one, because he thinks about the fact that, you know, these guys, a lot of these guys now, they've they've all done something together where they made something from nothing. So they're friends. They're going to be lifelong. They're always going to be linked together. So you don't, you don't want to lose a guy for nothing that you had, that you had maybe since year one. Um, but on the flip side, he talked about how well that we did in, in the expansion draft. He talked about Latif and saying Latif was one of his favorite stories. Tyler, um, the ability to get players that we flipped into Laurent Simon, which is his first captain of the club. Um, so in that regard, yeah, necessary evil. What's interesting to me, though, is, and I know that the expansion draft is what it is, and you'd probably rather that we weren't having one, but these are conversations you're already kind of having, right? We, we, we were just talking about this before we went on. There's a lot of dates coming up where you're going to be talking about options. You're going to be talking about free agents. You're going to be talking about this. I think at the end of the day, you just don't want to lose something for nothing. So you're probably starting to th- to look around, you're starting to make some phone calls, probably trying to wonder what you can do to get out of it, uh, i.e. sending some money uh, the way of one of the teams just to not get They picked. did that last year. They did in that some last ways, year. Yeah. And so that's something that that's, I think is interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a weird thing because, twelve, like you just said, 12 players seems like a lot, and then it becomes very little once you start to get into 8, 9, and 10, and you're like, whoa. Ooh, yeah. What choices am I making? It's also a bit of a game because you protect these guys. Are, they, are you these think about age? You think about salary? yeah. I go, I'll leave him there knowing full well, maybe a high salary. I'll leave this person there knowing they're not going to pick up because they don't want to be to take on this salary. Because right. as an expansion team, you want to keep as clean a slate as possible. But also, even Cincinnati more- didn't keep keep a clean slate, and now it's it's a mess as yep. an expansion team. Yeah, it is weird to think. Uh, so we have two teams coming in that that are interesting in the way because you see. Miami, and you see kind of what they've already done, and you say, oh, that looks a lot like LAFC. Yes. Young South American talents, and you see Nashville, you go, that doesn't look so much like LAFC. It looks a little bit more like Cincinnati. And you <laughs> wonder if LAFC and Cincinnati had come in the same years, if it would have almost, it seems like it would have almost mirrored the way this one's going. So I'd, I'd be very curious to see what Nashville's strategy is as it pertains to this, as, as, you know, as with Miami as well. Uh, LAFC seemed to have a really gutsy, strategy where the, you know we we look back on it and i think uh, it was a video that was put out not long after i joined the club but it was basically like the kind of behind behind the scenes and i think it's in the uh the documentary the lfc where where john's basically as as the draft is ending he's on the phone and he's completing that laurent simon deal yeah. so like they had they had ideas of where they wanted to go straight away yeah you can get to some you can get to some observations from there. LAFC is not going to protect two goalkeepers. They have two here. You would imagine one. Who knows? Maybe they keep two. Maybe they don't keep either. Maybe they're both men available. One will, one would be very desirable to pick. So that is certainly out there. Now there are guys that are free agents. Uh, 
Lee Winstead, whose options I think are going to get picked up potentially, but right. that's the decision. And I would you tend to think, you go, all right, these aren't the guys that started every game. Stephen Batishore is there. Uh, Jordan Harvey's also needed. The, these are they're you would imagine guys they would like to keep mm-hmm. under the right circumstances. Oh, of course. So I mean, but this is not. I mean, I think a lot of their people might be going. Well, we've probably seen the last of this guy, and I, we, we'd certainly say pump the brakes. Certainly with this right. team, they like this group. They've just got to find a way to make it work. So this is really compelling. Like every other offseason, I think Major League Soccer, in particular LAFC offseason, is compelling because it could go in a lot of directions. And on the other end, you might look at a team and go, oh, wait, this kind of looks like last year's team, and that's good. Or you go, whoa, this is this is pretty exciting. We got this a little bit different. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, one of the funny things, and we talked about it throughout the season because I like to bring it up when people gave me stick for, for saying – LFC is going to rely on their core of their team because they believe in it. And in soccer, that's probably the right thing to do, especially when you're teaching a new system, especially when you had guys that were literally just finding their homes in year one, um, to allow them that continuity in year two. And the result was a historic season. Now, they like the core of the team going forward too. And John brought up that a lot of that core is young, very young, 23 and under. For The, the minutes of 23 and under that we gave to guys is, is probably one of the highest in the league. Um, they're going to want it going forward. So you got you got to think about it. That way, in terms of the expansion draft, they would love to have everybody if they could, but that's that's not the case. Yeah. And on the flip side, they're looking towards uh, one of the things that John brought up a lot was depth. They they fully understand that this team needs depth with three competitions going forward. Um, we're going to talk about it doesn't, the league doesn't really afford them that luxury. Afford, yeah, so but like you got to find a way to kind of create it. Yeah, you got to lose the, guys to gain guys. It's it's a the weird rabbit thing. in the hat kind of thing. But he did he did bring up. Uh, you know, the way that the, we, um, him and Will Koontz, put together the cap and the way that they manage the cap, uh, they do it in such a way that allows them to be agile, whether it is getting a cheeky Palacios or now where they think, wow, we have a great core. Let's just add a few guys around the edges, guys that we know we can count on in a CCL game or in a, an Open Cup game or even just the season. Because the one thing he's adamant on is he wants to go for every competition but definitely not at the expense of any other competition. Right. Before we put a, a close to this, I would say that, and we've seen it with Seattle and Toronto FC, the require, and, and John talked about that the young players, the South American players who are not familiar with MLS, got a baptism under fire this mm-hmm. past year, which is absolutely 100% correct. But when you look at Seattle, Toronto, they have a lot of MLS campaigners there. And because they've been in MLS Cup, uh, Seattle has Stefan Fry, for instance, and... Uh, a guy like Lodero who's been at it a while. And Toronto FC with Michael Bradley and Josie, even though those injured have been here, and they know MLS through and through. And that seems like a valuable thing when you see that going through. So maybe there's a guy like that that comes on his way in. We don't know, but it's an exciting time. It's an exciting yeah. time to think about what this club, and this club has never stood on its laurels. They're, they're active. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the prevailing club motto will and forever always be doing what we do best even better the next time. Yeah. All right. CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah. Yes. So this the seat, this is a, a real blessing. Now, before we say it, and John said they're going to go for it. He, this was the thing he was most would, excited about. But you would think, wait, every general manager and coach says that. Not really the case. Everyone wants to go for it. A lot of places, you want to keep your job, and a bad start could mean the end of your MLS career. So they have to keep an eye on that. And the MLS, since no one's won, I have to pull it up. No MLS club has won the CONCACAF Champions League in its current format. Correct. I think the last time it was like 98? Yeah. The Galaxy. The Galaxy. The Galaxy won it. And that was when it was just pairings and they go, it wasn't this whole tournament. The Con- DC's won it. Yeah, DC won a little bit before that. MLS needs to win one of these. Uh, the first MLS club to win this current tournament, and I hope it happens and it happens soon, is going to be viewed very favorably in the history books because Toronto almost won it a couple of years ago. Real Salt Lake got to a final. Many times it's a Mexico versus Mexico final. So this is a huge opportunity to put LAFC in the good graces of American soccer across the board. Because once you can beat the Mexican teams, and Atlanta won that Campeones Cup, it's not the CONCACAF Champions League. But just that win reverberated, and it reverberated in Mexico, which is where you want to cast the most attention about this league. Because you're in competition with that league for so many things. It's important MLS team wins it. So to have LAFC fully engaged hopefully fully equipped is exciting. I think it's, before I pass it on to you, and we'll talk more about it, I think there's a good opportunity, whether it's LAFC or Atlanta or Seattle, Montreal, 
who am I missing? Uh, New York City FC. Yeah. That's a good group for a Mexican group that's good, not great. Yeah. No, you make a. Uh, that's actually a really good point. As much as we talk about, man, LAFC or not LAFC, an MLS team really needs to win this. Doesn't it seem like every season there's one or two teams that are like, we're going for it, and th- the other two are like, guys, quietly going. Guys, for we're it. not. We're in it, but we're not yeah. so sure. I mean, Montreal is an easy one to point to. They've they've been in it before. And They're they in a mess. They need definitely to keep... punted on it. Remember Colorado one year yeah. was coming up against Toronto, and they were like, eh. Houston last year was in there. I mean, they gave it an effort, but you yeah. know, it's like no sweat off of them when they get knocked out. When I think if you look at this and the way that the if you look at the pots and the way things are setting out, the the teams that so L, so MLS teams and LFC in particular, not in particular, but just in general, will be at a disadvantage, right? The, the, it'll kick off in February. Their season, season hasn't, hasn't started. started. They're coming in cold. But luckily, LAFC is in pot one. So the team that they're going to draw is probably not going to be, I would say, as talented. You a know, team they should you, be. You know, a team from like like Allianz of El Salvador. Good team. Historically good team in their region, in their area, their small region. That's the matchup we want, right? Yeah, you want a team like that. At yeah. Allianz, which has a good and appeal. Look, you still have to take it seriously. No, but I want, out of all the teams from Central America, yeah. that's a team with a little bit of Oh, Pizzazz. Yeah. A little that yeah. would cater to this market. They've nicely. got a little bit of something. Obviously, it's, it's Fito Zelaya's uh, previous team. A lot of Salvi's here um, in, uh, so that in would LA. Be, that would be cool. I think they have a little bit of gamesmanship, which I think is the other aspect of it. We talk so much about having MLS campaigners. Well, man, just wait till you get into those games in Central America over a two leg stretch. Like you, that's something that you're going to learn very quickly. And I think if you can get it against an opponent where you maybe have superior talent. And you have a manager like coach like Bob Bradley that can get you through that first round. By the time you start playing those Mexican teams, maybe your maybe your 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 engine's humming a little bit more, right? Yeah. And we look. That's at, great po- way to look at it. When I'm looking at those Mexican teams, one hand feeds the other. I don't think they're as strong as the previous years no. that we've seen because there's no Monterey. It's Tigres, Club America. Tigres has been laboring a bit in a lot of yeah, competitions. They lost to Atlanta. Uh, I'm sorry, that was uh, America. No, but they've they, they've yeah. they've taken a well, few. Yeah, Club America lost a little bit of luster by losing to Atlanta. I, yeah, there's no way to there's no other way to put it. I mean, you can say that Campione's Cup is not a big deal, but Atlanta still won it. Yeah, uh, Cruz Azul is always up and down. Atlanta winning that made a, a lot of news in Mexico because of like, I remember they had the same thing with Carlos Vela won the, when he set the record. They had all these things all over the front, every front page saying what is going on. Yeah. Yeah, it was get funny. to the lifeboats. <laughs> it was funny to me how how they were. I remember seeing in, in Mexico they were like, you know, these MLS teams aren't even taking this serious. This is a stupid competition. And then when an MLS team won it, they would go, "What's going on here? We're in a state of crisis. Mexico, yeah. Mexican soccer is in crisis. What's going on?" So I I just think, yeah, you you, 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 you yeah, and if you get through this, you'll get to the quarterfinals. You get through the first round, and then you're in the final. When, in a time when maybe you maybe because we'll know the whole bracket once they're drawn, we'll know the whole bracket. So maybe you are going to draw a Club America in the second, in the quarterfinal round. But man, it looks like there's a path for one of these MLS teams yeah. to get through. And if like if they can just get through their first round and get a little bit of experience, get the legs under them, get the conditioning going, man, you can do some things. Yeah. Look, I always pull for MLS teams in there. If the Galaxy was in there, I would hope they would do okay because it's important for the league. It's good for league business. I had a Toronto FC took me for a great ride a couple years ago. Yeah. So I saw them, and that was the most uh, ex- uh, fun I've had watching a CONCACAF Champions League. And this is what this won't be like this. This was singular for Toronto FC. So they get to the quarterfinals. They face America, I think, in the quarters. Semifinals, Tigres, and final was Chivas so they got home games against those three three the three biggest names yeah in Mexico and obviously that would resonate in Toronto you could only imagine what it would do here in Los Angeles to have America and Chivas and Tigres come here it would be an event we're not going to get Chivas unfortunately because they stink Uh, but you could get America and you could get Tigres and you could get a Cruz Azul which is a big name Mm -hmm. Leon you could have Leon in the first round right so I think you play it out, and you got to take one step at a time. Even if they make the semifinals, this is going to be a fun watch, and it's going to keep us busy and whet your appetite for the beginning of the MLS season. I mean, again, John said he was super excited, and I'm excited. I think we're all excited for the same reasons because every time we've come up on something, we're like, man, I wonder how this is going to go. I, I think of opening night. I wonder how this is going to go, and it was electric. It was better than we could have expected. Obviously, the ending really topped it off for all of us. Um, we have our first international friendly against Dortmund we wonder how it was going to be it's it's fantastic night I the thing I just keep thinking of is you know you hear that kind of cliche saying like a European night obviously we're not in Europe but that that feel of Champions League 
I feel like we are going to having a game at Big Cowboy Stadium. I got some goosebumps well, yeah, on my arm after you just started. You were almost like Keith Jackson going, European excitement at Bank of California Don't, don't you Stadium. just feel like, yeah, the lights oh, are going to be Howard on. Cassell. And just the the vibe that's going to be in there. I feel like we're going to be able to game. take it to another level. Yeah. LAFC's got to do it, but they, uh, they'll always be prepared with this coaching staff. And the fact that they want to be there is, I know it sounds silly, but not everyone, everyone wants to be there, but not everyone knows they have a good hand to go. So they'll look, all right, I got aces in it. Okay, let's go for it. Yeah. If you don't, you're like, all right, let's be realistic here. LAFC knows they could do that. And we should prepare you. It may change the way the season starts next year because yeah. Toronto started slow when they went that big run. Sporting Kansas City made the semis, correct? And I believe they made the semis. Court, no, they didn't. They lose to Monterey in the quarters. They made it out of their first. Oh, sorry, round. made the quarter. Someone made someone in the MLS. We had one semifinalist. No, neither here nor there. But Sporting were involved Maybe in that, and their there. season yeah. went south. But that doesn't always happen. Atlanta had a rough start, but that did, but they recovered. So yeah. this, it's going to be a different year. Maybe it's not, but it, I think there's certain things, regardless of how it goes. The prospects of having those magical nights at Bank of California Stadium as soon as three months from now. Yeah. Three months. It's nothing. Yeah. I mean, the, the offseason is entirely too long. But what we do have to look forward to is the first set of games that we're going to get is going to be a home and away in an international setting with something on the line. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. What, what more can you ask for? I mean, our, our season's going to... The players are going to be in earlier. I've already talked to some of the guys at, at the training facility. I mean, the preseason is going to start early January for these guys. They're going to be in camp. I mean, these team LFC is going to do their due diligence. They're going to look at, wow, what was it about sporting KC that allowed them to get past the Mexican side to go to Mexico, play so well and dominate a team. But then once they got into MLS play, they ran out of gas. So they're going to be, they're going to be looking at that. The performance staff is going to be considering all of those options. Um, because again, the one thing that they do not want to do is nosedive in any competition just because they're pushing hard. And another one, this puts you up against the eight ball. But like I said, I think that this team, with the talent that he has, the experience that it kind of has, and a lot of South American guys, a lot of guys that, that live for these type of home and away stuff, if you can get through that first round and then maybe draw against one of those bigger teams, when you've already got, you already started to hit the ground running a little bit, you can, you can make some waves. And you can, I think you can buoy your whole season still going forward. Many of you thought I could disengage from the club. Take a week off. Take a week off. But the offseason, like in many other sports, is going to be extremely compelling. And what lies ahead is a tournament like this, which will make, which will get you all excited, give you all the feels once again for LAC. So don't don't disconnect. Stay yeah. with us, and we'll be here. We'll continue to do podcasts to get to connect you We've from got one podcasts. point. Podcasts. You've got a lot of explainers that you got coming yeah. up that people are going to need. There's, We're here. There's a We're lot going here. Yeah. We're going here. I might slip away for a couple of days down in Cabo, or go for a ski trip. But otherwise, I'm here. We'll, and send, Vince is we'll send a camera with you. Do you want to do that? We should. Which would be you're, you a skier or a snowboarder? Never never done it, but I would. I can see you. I think you would enjoy it. So maybe we'll do something like that. Hey, at the very right. least, enjoy getting a good uh, yeah. beer jacket on. They call they call that the apres ski. Uh, After you ski. Some people just go straight during? to it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's an event. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the John Thorrington interview. Great job, Vince. And we're, we're, we'll be here. We'll get you ready. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast because we'll have plenty of CONCACAF Champions League, plenty of uh, preseason uh, information and activities to get you ready because it is going to be a wild ride. The silly season, as they call it, we'll kind of get there, too. Do you have an MLS Cup pick? Toronto. I'm kind of feeling Toronto, too. I'm yeah. going to say Seattle. But Toronto FC, you know what I said about Toronto. They had the craziest path to the final. Mm -hmm. That game that went to extra time, DC and I, where they scored four goals in the 15-minute extra time. They go, they go take on New York City, but they have to play them at City Field in Queens, yeah. and they beat, knocked out the top seed. And then they did it to Atlanta, where they were almost dead. They were, um, if Westberg doesn't make that penalty save, it's over. Yeah. But he does, and they come back. Well, after Toronto played us, I kept kind of a casual eye on them yeah. for the rest of the season. I yeah, like, I kind of well, did. There's something here. And then I started noticing and going, Wow, they're really good. They got the and pieces. They're playing good against uh, teams that were of a high level. And even if they didn't win those games, I was like, man, they they should have won some of those games. I mean, Seattle surprised me one, obviously because they went through us, but two, just because they weren't playing great necessarily yeah. to end the season. Whereas Toronto, for the past month and a half, has been playing their best football. So I yeah. think that they're my pick. I'll say Seattle, and like people go crazy about Rui Diaz, but that guy's 
bit more disappointing than exceptional in the season. He's missed some games, and that but he what he did against us, you could see the. He shows count. up in the biggest moment, so I think. People and guess get what? Sunday's going to be. Not, yeah, that's a big showing. moment. It is, and Nico Ladero too. But I just think there's just more consistency from front to back it, with Toronto, yeah. especially. Especially, I will say this: if everyone's healthy too, they've been doing yeah. this without Josie Altador, without Omar Gonzalez. Yep. That's good. Hey, look, if you're not going to win MLS Cup, you don't want someone else to win it. But these are two teams that I think uh, you'd be all right with. Seattle is going to spur a little rivalry with theirs again, but we'll see. We'll, we'll clear that hurdle when it comes. Yep. All right, Vince, we'll chat with you soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment. When we get to 100, I'll find out who left that 100th review, and I will send you uh, a, a Hello Kitty doll. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you feel like you have to prom. I'm not putting Max I'm just, up. I'm, so I'm not putting Max up to promise any of these things. No he more just promises. Just leave a out. review. Tell us we stink. Yeah. Max with his copious amounts of money, like to spend know. it. Just throwing it out. That's not true. Copious amounts of money. Inside joke.